shot in the end zone. Double coverage, but Randy Moss comes down with it. Unbelievable. Double coverage. He split the defenders. And he makes the score. Five seconds left. This is for the win for all intents and purposes. The play clock running. Culpepper making an audible. Drops the ball, picks it up. He's going to go in for it. And he will make it. Dante Culpepper gets two. And the Vikings sideline has gone nice. This team that we're looking for next year. We're improving It's now. the Going for Two podcast. Now, join your hosts, Ben and Kate. All right, and welcome back to another exciting episode of the Going for Two Football Podcast. I am your host, Ben, joined by my fellow co-host, Caleb. We are, ju- we are jumping right back into the action after taking a brief hiatus due to some personal issues in our personal lives, but we are going to jump into all of the exciting Week 3 action. We obviously missed Week 2, but Week 3 was incredibly exciting. There was a lot of great action going on, and we're also going to be previewing Week 4. So, Caleb, how are you doing today, man? Yeah, you know, I'm doing fantastic. Um, really good Week 3 of football. Uh, us, obviously getting their first win um the lions just keep rolling and cap so we'll get into the and dive into it here in a second yeah man it's been a it's been an amazing ride this year um it's been topsy-turvy i think we've been seeing a little bit a continuation of kind of like the week one trend of a little bit of sloppy play but it seems like it's getting better each and every week yeah for sure for sure but uh yeah without ado i think we should just get into the recap Okay, sounds good, man. So we started off our week three NFL uh, broadcast last week with Thursday Night Football, the New York Giants versus the San Francisco. 49ers just rolled right on through the Giants. Through the 49ers, yeah. This was a brutal game. It wasn't anything special. Not much to write about. Brock Purdy's legitimate. Daniel Jones, question mark. Um, Saquon Barkley, definitely the absence was felt there with the New York Giants. Yeah, CMC looks great. Obviously the rushing leader picked wrong um my rushing leader was Najee harris this year uh should have went with the fan favorite of cmc for sure no definitely um yeah and then next up we had uh the lions uh versus the falcons and it was just the jared golf and a st brown show um b john robinson never got going long held uh the falcons without a touchdown no it was a brutal game honestly i'm starting to have some big questions about desmond ritter but moving right along, the L.A. Chargers faced off against the Minnesota Vikings and maybe what was the game of the week for week three. The L.A. Chargers won a nail-biter, but it wasn't pretty at the end. And Kirk Cousins, if he was on a winning team, looks like an MVP candidate right now. Yeah, uh, the Vikings have, I think Kirk Cousins has the most passing yards. Justin Jefferson, uh, the team, yeah, they are still 0-3. No, they are. They are 0-3. It is it's been a brutal year for them. And the Chargers Chargers almost tried to charger that game away, but you know, they still came up out on top at the very yeah, end. Big no, big note, Mike Williams done for the season. So that is a big loss for the Chargers. Yeah, thoughts forward. and prayers out to him. Yep. Season fees. And then uh so after that we had uh pay, uh Saints at the Packers and talk about a nail biter. This one went right down to the end. Packers squeak it out 18 to 17. More importantly, Derek Carr injured with a shoulder injury. They're saying he could sideline him for uh, about three.
Yeah, it doesn't look great for Derek Carr. It was definitely one of the big letdowns of the year this year. I completely predicted this one wrong. Um, yeah. I thought he was going to come out passing all over the place. And I do want to give some props out to Chris Olave. Looks like one of the best wide receivers in football. Silky smooth, great routes. Um, he looks great. It's always fun to watch him play, but it looks like it's going to be the Jameis Winston show moving forward for a little bit. Yeah, yeah. we'll see if they can get some dubs. Um, the good news for the Saints, though, they do have Kamara coming back. So that could provide a little spark to their offense moving forward. We, we can hope to we'll only wait and see. Oh, and we we'll also want to mention that Jamal Williams was put on IR, so they are still missing that one. Moving right along here with another game in the 1 o'clock slot, a divisional matchup in the AFC South. The Houston Texans went into the Jacksonville Jaguars in what has turned out to be one of the surprise teams of this year. The Houston Texans came away victory in a blowout victory, 37-17. to Story of this game is the continued development of C.J. Stroud, whom I completely, apparently it's a, it's a track record for this year. I completely picked him, picked him wrong. I thought he was going to be a bust of a pick, and he has looked fantastic thus far. Ben and I were discussing right before the uh, we hopped on here on the pod is him and I just have had the worst quarterback luck of uh, fantasy football this year. We, we've just selected all wrong. I, I took T. Lawrence thinking he was going to be great. And here it is. C.J. Stroud looks like a top five quarterback in the NFL. Yeah, I mean, he looks great. I mean, he's decisive with his ball placement. He's great at reading the defense. He's really distributing the ball around. I mean, every week there's a different leading wide receiver there. I do want to take a bit of a sidebar here and get your opinion before we dive into the meat of it. I know we're trying to go quick, so I do apologize. What do you think is going on with Trevor Lawrence right now? Yeah, uh, that's that's just a hard one. It's almost looked like he's regressed a little bit. Um they even went out and got him some wide receiver help. I, I just think he just needs to find it, honestly. I have no better words. It's kind of a, a question mark up in the air of what's going on between the ears with him. They started off with a bang. I mean, they had, the like you said, you, they have all the wide receivers there. Calvin Ridley, Christian Kirk, um, Zay Jones, they all have been playing well last year. And they Calvin Ridley came in with all the hype, and they've just really fizzled since week number one. But... Moving along, I'll give you this the, the the most entertaining game of the week. Not the best game, but probably the most entertaining. Go ahead, Caleb. Yeah, I, I this this was a tale of the tape of uh, a Broncos ex uh, ball boy coming in this week, and I I don't know if the Dolphins have stopped scoring yet. Honestly, uh, the they were what was it? I think it was like ten yards short of the all time most yards in a game. And they were just short of the scoring record in a single season game. So uh, Dolphins scored 70. Broncos scored a measly 20, uh, which would be good in any other game, except their defense was a sieve. And and, and we will, I'm I'm so anxious to get into this so I can hear your thoughts um, in regards to the Denver Broncos and the Dolphins game, but we'll save that for a little bit later. Moving right along, still in the one o'clock slot of games. Tennessee Titans faced off against the Cleveland Browns. This one really was nothing to write home about. 27-3 Browns win. Titans don't look great. Derrick Henry looks like a shell of himself. Deshaun Watson starting to find himself a little bit. He looks pretty good, um, especially especially they the Browns look good as, a, as an entire team, especially coming off the devastating injury to Nick Chubb, who... I think the story of the story for the Cleveland Browns is that luckily that gruesome injury apparently is not nearly as bad as we once thought. So I think that was almost one of the biggest takeaways from this game. Yeah, uh, the earlier reports were that it was going to be possibly even career ending, 
and uh, the, after the test and the MRI, uh, I think he only t- turned out to tears MCL. So he should be back by next season. Uh, a running back waiting in the wings and free agency, and Kareem Hunt, who hadn't signed with another team somehow, some way, that they marched right back on into the building, signed the paperwork, and put him back into a Browns uniform, never missed a beat. Worked out for him, but now he's a little dinged up. Jerome Ford stepped in, and he looked really good for him, but he's a little dinged up now, so the injuries are definitely starting to mount this this NFL season. Yep, uh, Browns do have that stingy defense, didn't allow the Titans to have a touchdown, and Garrett holds the in NFL history. Yep, there you go. Yep, so uh, moving right along, another blowout, unfortunately, where there was a lot of offensive power and uh, really good defensive play this past week. Uh, where the Bills went into uh, the Washington Commies and uh, held them without a touchdown. They they hung 37 on them, and it was pretty much a routing from the jump. Yeah, and I was a little disappointed that Sam Howell seemed to really regress this week. He was a major winner yeah, from um, week I think one he'll and two. bounce back. He, he's still pretty young um, and resilient. That Commanders team is on the trending upwards uh, scale. And not like the the Broncos or the Bears, where they're, they're almost in the two a rebuilding situation. Yeah, those are definitely uh, yeah. There's some questions to be had there. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the better games of the week, not a blowout. Um, another Upset AFC alert. contest. The Indianapolis Colts faced off against the Baltimore Ravens, and in a shocking fashion, Gardner Minshew, starting quarterback of the Indianapolis Colts, ended up walking away with the dub against the the fierce Baltimore Ravens, 22-19. to I think the story of this game is, honestly, the, the Indianapolis Colts look like they may be a little bit of a force. Everybody was talking about them being, you know, a top-five team for the next upcoming draft, and they were going to be regressing significantly, but... Much to my surprise, and I believe the national media surprise, the Colts actually look pretty resilient this year. So I think that's a pretty big storyline. Um, another big part of this is kind of the Baltimore Ravens who faltered a little bit. Their offense has not looked great through the first three weeks, um, especially after revamping that wide receiver core. Um, got dinged up quite a bit, a little bit even more. Odo Beckham Jr. wasn't really playing in this game, got dinged up with an injury. Um, the running back carousel there is just a nightmare for the Baltimore Ravens. Gus Edwards got dinged up with a concussion. Justice Hill's dinged up for a concussion. So it looks like we're, we might be going into next week with a dinged up Gus Edwards and a backup of Melvin Gordon. So there's kind of a name drop from the past. But overall, it was a very good game, really competitive, came down to the wire, some crazy field goals, um, really long ones, some vintage Justin Tucker, some not so vintage Justin Tucker as he missed a couple. But overall, it was a really good game. Yeah, yeah, and uh, there is a big takeaway from that Colts-Ravens game. Minshew joined the uh, Dan Orlovsky Orlovsky club, stepping out of the back of the end zone, throwing the ball. And then he delivered in overtime and came away with the W. Yeah, whenever you join that club and then still come away with the W, you'll take it uh, for sure. But moving along here uh, to a battle of the uh, the old New York-Massachusetts region, a good rivalry here in Patriots at the Jets. Uh, Mac Jones, a little bit of a dirty play in the the scuffle, hidden, you know, sauce below the belt, but coming out with the W. Uh, Patriots took uh, the W, fifteen to ten. Yeah, and I don't know if there's really too many takeaways from the Jets' standpoint. I think it's just it's it's it becoming even more evident and obvious that Zach Wilson is not an NFL caliber quarterback. Um, and yeah, the Patriots look uh 
honestly, the Patriots don't look great, but hey, they were my, good enough to come away with the W here. My bold prediction before the season's looking pretty, pretty good right now about the Jets missing the playoffs. Not the way I predicted. Like, bro, look. We're gonna sign an asterisk to that one. <laughs> I'll, I'll take the prediction. Hey, my, that money line from Week One hit. That was like ten twenty five odds. <laughs> I know what you mean. That yep. was a that was a big one. I should have taken your advice and put some serious money on that. Yeah, yeah, make some coin. Um, moving right along, uh, we had Panthers at the Seahawks. Um, pretty high scoring affair in this one. Seahawks took it home, thirty seven to twenty seven. Uh, looked pretty steady. Gino, uh, Gino looked pretty good in this game. I do think that there's a pretty big storyline here, but I'm going to save it for a little bit later when we get into our winners and losers from week three. Um, uh, oh man, I'm, there's so much I want to talk to you about. But anyways, moving right along, we had another dud game, another massive blowout in week three. The Kansas City Chiefs squared off against the Chicago Bears, and the Kansas City Chiefs won 41-10. to 10. The biggest storyline coming out of this one is preseason, made a massive media hype around Justin Fields. He has not delivered on that hype. He's looked abysmal through three weeks. Questions, you know, the, the, the fantasy glory from last year, just wondering if this year was going to translate into more wins for the Chicago Bears. It does not look great for the Chicago Bears. They added DJ Moore this offseason, but it seems like that's not really moving the dial at all. Actually, in fact, it seems like it's moving the dial the opposite way. Um, Chicago Bears, I, I got to feel bad for your, your fan base, guys. All you Chicago Bears fans out there, I'm sorry. It's never fun to to watch a quarterback kind of crash and burn like this, but it has not. It's it's not looked pretty through three weeks. Break out the paper bags for the Chicago Bears. Those and Houston welcome fans, in Caleb Williams. Send them right up the Mississippi, right on into Chicago. I would say welcome Caleb Williams, but they traded away their first round pick for DJ Moore, I believe, right? Uh, no, actually, that the was Bears. Last year's pick. Uh, right. The Bears are actually going to have two first rounders this. Uh, they have, I want to say, Panthers first round pick. That make that makes sense. Okay, yeah, um, that makes sense. But are we going to talk about the biggest? No, I'm not going to talk about Taylor Swift. <laughs> do we? Do we dare? I think everybody knows at this point what the biggest storyline from this one is. Fine. Okay. You know what? Here we go, everybody. Fine. We're going to do a sidebar. We're going to go a minute and a half. We can talk about Taylor Swift. Caleb, give me your opinion on Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey. Uh, calm down. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I think it's wild. Um, who would have guessed that would have worked out, but, uh, good for him. Happy for him, man. If they find true love, they find true love. If not, uh, it's probably going to end his career by wrecking him on the next, uh, song that gets released. $700 million though. He's definitely punching up in that regard, but, uh, man, I, you know, this has been the most annoying thing to me about this storyline is that there was a lot of good football in week three, and this is the number one storyline that we get. I mean, Let's keep it on the field, guys. Let's keep it on the field. I will say, uh, well, and we'll, it'll be a. This was going to be my number one winner of the week when we get into it, but I'll just give you the preview for it now. Uh, my number one winner was Travis Kelsey oh this gosh. week, and it's not because of the relationship with that. It's because his jersey sales got boosted by four hundred percent, and his and his social media following increased by three hundred thousand. Yeah, just blew up. Yeah, sign me up. I'll go on a couple of dates with Taylor Swift. Jeez. 
Yeah, Ben's married, and he'll still do it. <laughs> if hey, if I'm going to gain three hundred thousand social media followers, that's I can quit my job. So yeah. I mean, <laughs> I'll, yeah. I'll take it. I think my wife would be okay with it too. Probably okay. not. But anyway, all right. Taylor Swift. So, Taylor Swift uh, talk is over. Never be mentioned on this podcast again. No, except for in the winner's section. But continue. <laughs> um, yeah, and arguably the biggest upset of the week, uh, the Arizona Cardinals took on the Cowboys, where they were heavy dogs. Uh, whoever took the reverse spread on this game, you know, props to you because uh, not only did Arizona win, they won by double digits. They beat the Cowboys twenty-eight to sixteen. Yeah, and you know what? All credit. I, there's not much to say about Dallas. They just dropped the ball here. Every single one of their players underperformed. I really think it's a little bit of them overlooking the Cardinals and getting surprised as they came out. Ricky, I'm not Ricky Dobbs. Uh, shout out to the Navy midshipman, Ricky Dobbs. Joshua Dobbs, former Tennessee volunteer, kind of a journeyman player who's bouncing around practice squads for a while. He's looked good through three weeks, and we'll get into that a little bit more with our winners and losers of the week, but let's just keep it moving right along here. Yeah. Real quick, though, Arizona better start selling his jersey in the pro shop because he walked into the pro shop and couldn't even find his own dang jersey. It's in there now. It's in there now, so he's all good. So he's all good, and uh, yeah, <laughs> I mean, you got to feel for the guy. But credit for them to get it in there as quickly as they did. I think it was the same day they got the jersey back in there. So credit to them. But Sunday night football, Steelers, Raiders, a classic of two of the original classic franchises in the NFL. Pittsburgh Steelers rock away with a double-digit victory, or actually not a single-digit victory over the Las Vegas Raiders, 28 or 23 to 18. I think the storyline of this game is. You know what? I look at this game on the schedule and I've tried to think of what the biggest storyline away of this is. And quite frankly, Kenny Pickett has underperformed for what I thought he was going to do this year. The Raiders do not look great. I think the biggest storyline is former NFL rushing champion Josh Jacobs has looked like he has concrete in his feet for the last three weeks. No offensive line push from the Raiders. Devontae Adams is now looking like he's going to be requesting a trade away from the Raiders. Overall, kind of an abysmal game. Najee Harris had his moments. Pickett had a couple shining moments. Pickens made a couple nice catches. But I think the biggest winner from this game is TJ Watt. I think he's back. He's healthy. He looks like the best defensive player on the planet right now. My defensive player of the year pick. Yeah, Six and right. a half sacks over three games. And he is on pace for, I think it was almost 30 sacks for the season. So, I mean, credit for him for getting back on track and getting healthy again. So, definitely credit and props to him. Yeah, that Steelers defense looks stingy. Uh, they look really good. They're propping up the offense for sure. Um, tough AFC North division, so we'll see what happens uh, with them. But uh, another good defensive battle um, was the the Philadelphia Eagles went into Tampa Bay and took on the Bucks, um, where this wasn't even a contest. Uh, the Eagles mm -hmm. dominated pretty much all day, winning twenty five to eleven, holding the Bucks without a without a touchdown, I believe. And Baker Mayfield reverted back to Carolina Panthers in later Cleveland Brown career, Baker Mayfield. My bad. They got a late touchdown, by the way. My bad. It was it's all good. It really Real didn't late. matter. Garbage time. Garbage Does time it really count. count. Only in fantasy. <laughs> and one of the better games of this week as well. Well, actually, the first half was abysmal. The Cincinnati Bengals faced off against the LA Rams over there at Paycor Stadium in Cincinnati, Ohio. Football. And the Cincinnati Bengals secured their first victory against the L.A. Rams, 19-16. to I think the storyline of this week is we are still on calf watch for, for Joe Burrow here. He looked 
awful in the first half, constantly overthrowing players or overthrowing wide receivers. His timing looked off. He just didn't look right. Even his demeanor on the field just didn't look right like he knew that there was something wrong. Got it together a little bit there in the second half. The offense started to pop. Jamar Chase had a really big game. But I think the biggest storyline from this is Trey Hendrickson is incredibly underappreciated as a defensive force in the NFL. Yeah, the the Bengals defense looks really solid. They put a cap on Puka Nakua, um, where the guy, I mean, he did get his, but they kept him in check, and I don't think he went over 100 yards receiving in the game. So He did anytime, not, no. Anytime you can do that with him real early on, it's, I'll, I'll take it. Actually, they held the Rams to a without a touchdown all the way until the last minute of the game where, you know, Matthew Stafford threw a touchdown to Tutu Atwell in the corner to bring it a little bit closer. But the second half, this game felt like it was over. Um, and Caleb and I were tweeting back and forth, texting back and forth all throughout this game. And the first half is a bit of a nail biter. We were still wondering what was going on. But the second half, things really upticked. And it seemed like it was a uh, it seemed like it was a, it turned into a pretty decent game down the stretch. Yeah, definitely. I think uh, Lou Amarulo is probably the number one candidate for a head coaching job next year, especially with the defense being this stingy. Um, The Bengals haven't already allowed a ton of points this year. And that being said, for the first two games, their offense has been on the field for like 75% of the the possession time. And that's Uh, really good. It's it's really to see what this defense is actually capable of. Uh, when the Bengals offense had, I think it was like 33 minutes to 24 minutes where their defense was well rested and could get after the quarterback and the secondary really showed with a couple picks. No, I agree with that. And I mean, actually when, uh, um, I think when you said that he's the number one coaching candidate, I think it's going to be between Eric B and it's going to be between Lou Anaruno. I think Eric B case to be that number one candidate took a little bit of a hit this week, but like we said, I think he's going to bounce back. Um, still doing a great job with a really young raw offense there in Washington, but overall it was pretty good. Yep. Yep. So that was, that was week three in a nutshell. Hopefully we weren't too long winded there. Oh, no, nah, 20 minutes is fine. We're good there. We're great on time right now. So, I mean, But, man, I have been chomping at the bit. wasted way too much time with the T-Swift talk. <laughs> if we mention it, it's too much time. But I'm okay <laughs> with it. I mean, it's been driving me nuts because as soon as I got to work on Monday morning, everyone's like, oh, Ben, did you hear about Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey? It's like, oh, we just had a bunch of great football. I don't care about Taylor Swift. She was at a game. Actually, I feel a little uncomfortable about it. But, anyways... We're going back to it again now, so let's just let's just move on from too there. much time. What are we I doing? Have been, I have been waiting to get into these winners and losers all weekend long and all week long. I cannot wait to dive into this. I can't wait to get your opinion. Let's start off with our three biggest winners from the weekend, or three biggest takeaways from the weekend, Caleb. Um, that kind of leads us into our three biggest winners as well. But go with our three biggest takeaways. For the week, like Caleb, I'm gonna give you a, I'm gonna give you the honor. How about you go first? Okay, my first takeaway, I, I think it, we'd be ashamed if we didn't talk about the Dolphins almost setting the points record and the yardage record in a single season game. They had two mm-hmm. guys score four touchdowns apiece. They looked fantastic. Um, they their offenses looked fantastic all year. Speed, speed, speed. Mike McDaniel's looks like a creative genius on the offensive play calling their defense really hasn't been tested that much i mean still allowing 20 and garbage time to the broncos you would like to see them clean it up uh as a shocker i think the dolphins are the number one team to beat in the afc right now 
Yeah, you know, and that this is why I really wanted to get into it because it, they're going to be on my list of three biggest winners for the week. Um, Tua Tagovailoa. I mean, you know what? I was, I was for some reason I was going into this with the impression that he really started to kind of stink it up towards the end of the year last year, the second half of the season. But I actually pulled up his game splits and. He didn't really fizzle that much last year. Um, actually, the reason the team got bounced is he didn't actually play in that playoff game. It was Skylar Thompson that ended up playing instead of Tua in that play that postseason game. Um, but I'm really intrigued by the Dolphins. Um, I do have to say this, and I want to do a little bit of a sidebar here. Dolphins fans, you have been miserable on Twitter. We get it. You have a high-powered offense. You're the team to beat right now. Stay classy, Miami. Yeah, yeah, as... Uh... Don't don't make us call Ace Ventura and play Snowflake again. <laughs> no, we'll, we'll come out. No, I agree. And you know that kind of leads into everything. You know, and I, I like how you started off with a positive take about the Miami Dolphins. I'm gonna go incredibly negative here. Um, and my biggest takeaway from the weekend is Cowboys gonna Cowboy. And that's what I have written down here in my notes. Dallas Cowboys, after week two, the Dallas Cowboys were seen as potentially the best team in all of football. Um, They were being mocked and ranked in power rankings as the number one team. They come into the Arizona Cardinals, who should, on paper, be the worst team in football. They are clearly tanking this season. They're definitely going, they're well into the Caleb Williams sweepstakes, Caleb Williams and Marvin Harrison sweepstakes because they have two first-round picks. They should not have won this game, and they came in and they won by double-digit points, by 12 points. Joshua Dobbs looks like a legitimate NFL starter, not a high-end starter, so don't quote me. Don't come at me saying that he's he's an elite-level player. He's not, but he's definitely an he belongs in the NFL is what I'm trying to say. And there were questions about it before. There were signs last year when he started late for the Tennessee Titans and he looked better than Malik Willis did when they played their, their against the Indianapolis Colts at the end of the season last year. But Joshua Dobbs looks like a legitimate quarterback in the NFL. And if they could surround him with a little bit more talent, I mean, I th- who knows what he could potentially do. I'm not saying he's the long-term answer and I'm not saying he's an elite-level talent. I'm just saying he's looked great. On the flip side... Dak looks like who everybody was making fun of him to be this offseason. Teasing, you know, Dak is not the guy. Dak doesn't look the guy. He His passing numbers have been low and mediocre all season long. I'm really intrigued to hear your thoughts on this, Caleb. That what is me. going on with Dak? Because a couple years that. ago, he was the front runner for MVP. Throwing for all kinds of crazy yards, looked incredible. Do you think Amari Cooper is had that big of an impact on him? I mean, what's going on with Dak? Yeah, yeah, so season predictions for uh, Dak Prescott has, like, since he had his big knee injury a couple years back, he has shown regression. And not only that, Zeke had fallen out of his prime. So Zeke has gone elsewhere. He's gone to the Patriots, where he's hardly getting any playing time up there. Um, The wheels have fallen off on that running back for sure, but that's another topic at hand. Um He's lost his number one wide receiver, Amari Cooper, that he used to love and throw to. Uh, Michael Gallup, not the same after his injury. That offensive line has gotten worse. Um, And Tony Pollard's numbers, to be frank, aren't even as good as last year's. So all around, not great. And then they they just lost uh, the cornerback on their defensive side. So their defense is hurting a little bit now. And, uh, yeah, he is... 
trending in the right direction right now, and I don't see it turning around. No, and I agree with you there. I mean, uh, Micah Parsons still looks unstoppable. I feel bad for the guy because I think he, I, I think he is statistic wise, he's not, but I do think he is the best defensive player in football right now. Um, I, he's a freak of nature, but this this Cowboys team should be better than what they've been showing right now. Um, but yeah, I mean, Tony Pollard has been a massive disappointment for me. I expected big things for his first year that he is the guy in Dallas, and he is underwhelmed massively. Um, he's been a massive disappointment for me. Yep. Yeah, I agree. Well, what's your second biggest takeaway, Caleb? CJ Stroud and Whoa, the Texans. Okay. They okay. look legit. <laughs> and I don't think anybody saw CJ Stroud being this good this quickly. Definitely. By far, I think, the best quarterback out of this rookie class uh, thus far. He's the only one really staying truly healthy. Um, and, you know, just making his reads, taking care of the football, not turning it over. Uh, last week against the stingy Jacksonville defense, he threw for 280 yards, two touchdowns, no interceptions. He went 20 for 30, made the right reads, handed the ball off, let his defense make plays. I mean, the Texans look kind of legit right now. Yeah, and I don't know. I mean, man, during the NFL draft process, he was one of my least favorite can least favorite prospects in the draft process. Maybe part of that is because of Ohio State bias. We just really haven't seen an, an Ohio State quarterback translate to the league in a really positive way. But he has shocked me, and he looks, man, he just looks poised. I think that's the best word I can use to describe it. He looks poised, and it looks like the Texans really got a hit in the draft. He looks great. Moving on to my second take, my second and half, and they well, come out and beat the Jacksonville Jaguars by twenty. So, the that was my biggest takeaway, I think, from week three was spreads were all heavy favorites this week. I hated every matchup I looked at. And then they all turned out to be a ton of them turned out to be totally off. No, I agree with you. I mean, it's just, it's been, it's been a top, it's been a, it's been a weird year to put, just put it lightly. Yeah. It has been a strange has been predictable. Season. Yeah. It is definitely, definitely not been predictable. It has been very strange as to say the least. All right. um, What's your next takeaway? And my next takeaway is to kind of continue with the strange. There is a, there's a select group of quarterbacks in the NFL that for some reason continuously get crapped on throughout their career. They're always viewed as lesser than, even though when they go on the field, they always seem to produce at a high level. Matt Ryan is one that comes to mind where he was never really seen as the man's an MVP and he never seemed to get as much credit or as media attention as I feel like a quarterback of his quality should have, especially for an MVP. Um, you know, we're talking about Philip rivers is going to go into the NFL hall of fame is what people are saying. And he received more attention than what a player like Matt Ryan did. I think in that same category, we're looking at a similar case with Kirk cousins. And he is one of my biggest takeaways of this week because he has been a revelation there's been select times in my NFL viewing career where when I'm watching games, I get the feeling that when a quarterback drops back, it's like, okay, something is good is going to happen. 
when I was watching when I was watching football this past week, and I was watching actually I believe it was last Monday last Thursday night or last Monday night football. Kirk Cousins has been great this year. He has been phenomenal. He is first in the NFL in passing yards in 1,075 yards. He's first in touchdown passes with nine. He is second in the NFL in completion percentage. Actually, take it back. Third in the NFL in completion percentage, completing 69.6% of his passes, almost 70% of his passes. His average yards of attempt, 7.8, solid number there. Kirk Cousins has been great this year. The problem in Minnesota is definitely not Kirk Cousins. He's made a few few mistakes here or there, but I mean that's that's we're all human. That's what happens in football. The best quarterbacks make mistakes. But I want to take this time to just give props to Kirk Cousins because I was one of those people that thought, you know, he's just a mid middling tier quarterback here. And maybe maybe he is, but thus far through three games, he's been great. You like that? You like that. I liked it. I really do. Honestly, and you know, to, to be honest with you, Caleb, and this is what I was saying, what the production we're seeing out of Kirk Cousins is exactly what I thought I was going to see out of Derek Carr. Him yeah. slinging the rock around, not necessarily winning a ton of games, but putting up massive numbers. And Kirk Cousins is doing that. I, Kirk Cousins is doing that. Derek Carr is not. And I don't think he deserves as much disrespect as he gets. I'll be honest with you. I hope he gets traded to the Jets. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, just to tag off the the Vikings real quick, uh, it's just a statistical phenomenon that they have not won a game yet with how good a lot of their individual players are. Like Kirk yeah. Cousins, you just rattled off his stats. Justin Jefferson is number one in receiving. I'm pretty sure as a team, they lead the lead in, in sacks this year. And yeah, Danielle Hunter is number two in the league in sacks. I, I, I just don't understand how they are 0 and 3. We might see the first 0 and 3 team make the playoffs this year with this team still. And the, 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 what the, what the narrative is right now is I've heard if they continue on this trajectory, we may be seeing them kind of enter into full scale fire sale mode. Um, they may be hitting the reset button. Kirk Cousins isn't young. He's 35 years old, but he's having statistics. I mean, I think there was a, to put this in perspective, and this can kind of be the last point. The man is on pace for 6,000 yards passing and 50 touchdowns. I don't care what player you're, if you, if you're, I mean, I'm not saying he's going to hit that. But let's say he does. If he hits 6,000 passing yards and 50 touchdowns, that is phenomenal. I do not care what your win-loss record is. I don't care what the narrative is. That is historic. That is a historic pace thus far. And I don't, please don't tell me that I'm, I'm saying that he is a phenomenal quarterback. Like he's a top five quarterback. I don't think he is. I'm just saying put a little more respect on his name. I think he can definitely win games in this league. And I think he's he's had a great career. Made a ton of money too. That never hurts. But he's had a good career. Yeah. Yeah. And then for all you gambling folks out there, uh, for the Vikings to make the playoffs right now, they are technically plus money on that. I feel like that's going to be free money for you. Should be. And what is yeah. what is what is your third takeaway? This my this third week? takeaway is a little bit on the depressing side. Oh, I think I'm going to be a, in a, an agreement here with you. The Chicago Bears Ooh, are that. in such a dysfunction. Their defensive coordinator, Alce 
allegedly got raided by the FBI. Um, I mean, this this whole situation looks terrible. Head coach crying in the locker room. Uh, some reports have came out upon hearing this news. Uh, according to the Pat McAfee show, uh, the defensive coordinator's house did get raided by the FBI. Um, so I, I think if you're the president of the Bears, I think you have to really consider cleaning just complete house with your whole coaching staff and just burning the whole thing down to rebuild it. And, you know, I, I this kind of coincides with what you just said my 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 third takeaway is also one of my biggest losers of the week um it's also kind of similar to the chicago bears but mine's the denver broncos and i think we can kind of lump the two of them together they have different reasons why it's depressing but on paper the same boat they really are and it's the those two franchises should not be with the talent they have there those two franchises should not be in the spot they are. They shouldn't be good, but they shouldn't be as bad as they are dysfunctionally, organizationally. I mean, it starts at the top. It starts with good leadership. But that's what makes it even stranger to me about the Denver Broncos because you don't get 70 points dropped on you and your team is still playing at the fullness of its of, of its abilities. That's just not the case. That team has quit over there in Denver. I don't know if they're going to win another game. Maybe they turn it around. I'm sure they they chip in a win here or there. But Russell Wilson, I mean, I thought for sure, you know, he's going to get he was going to get released in the offseason, and he did not. He stuck it out with um, he stuck it out there in Denver. Um, and you know what? I mean, it's it's just been dysfunctional, and he looks like a shell of himself. He looks like he doesn't care about football anymore. Um, I don't know if it's because he made his money and he just doesn't care anymore. Um, I don't know what it is with Russell Wilson. There's something off. The Chicago Bears, same thing. There's just something off right now with that franchise. They just can't get it right. Justin Fields, I don't care what is going on functionally with the organization. I'm going to go up and make a bold prediction here. Justin Fields isn't an NFL starting quarterback in the league. I see a lot of people on Twitter defending Justin Fields. I see a lot of people still touting his horn. He fell in the draft for a reason. He's not a great passer of the ball. He can't read an NFL defense. The game is too quick for him to process information. And you know what? That's okay. Some guys just aren't cut out to be NFL guys. Um, but you can just see. I mean, he's this is his third year, and he has never once translated to a winning culture in their team. I mean, he's never been a transformative figure. Sure, he can make plays with his legs, and he can occasionally make a few plays with his arms, but for an overall body of work, he's just not an NFL starting quarterback. He's at least not an elite one. I don't even know if he's a good one. Yeah, but, so, yeah no, I was going to say, you'll, you'll like the segue to, to, or analogy to complete this uh, comparison between the Bears and the Broncos, is Justin Fields, he, I think his best comparison NFL quarterback-wise would be Tim Tebow. Mm, I do like that who played on the Broncos. Um, you know, we'll get you some yards. We'll maybe squeak out a couple wins um, down the stretch, but not definitely not the long-term answer. Um, and then the, the people discuss this every year, and I think this might be the first year that this would actually be true. And these two teams, least compete i'm not saying win but have a competitive game 
with one of these two squads. No, I agree. And I mean, you know, I'm just, I'm looking at the statistics and I'm looking at the, the, the level of statistics, you know, yards and touchdowns are not good indicators of quality of quality NFL play because garbage time does exist. Time of but, possession. Yeah. Time of possession usually is a decent indicator. It means you're moving the ball yards per attempt. I think your averages are usually a pretty good indicator of how well your offense is functioning. Joshua Dobbs, and I'm not a big Joshua Dobbs fan. I know I've talked about him a lot, but he has outperformed Justin Fields as a passer this year. He has a 72% completion percentage, more yards, very similar touchdowns, zero interceptions thus far on the season. Actually, he is the him and Brock Purdy and Brock Purdy, uh, Joshua Dobbs and CJ Stroud. You know what they all have in common, Caleb? What's that? They are the only starting quarterbacks in the NFL this season yet to throw an interception. Well, for Justin Fields, you got to throw the ball in the vicinity <laughs> yeah, of a receiver to have a interception. Usually, yeah, that is true. That is definitely true. But that is a that's that's pretty that's a pretty good category to be in, involved in. Is no interceptions that means you're protecting the ball, but. Overall, I think those are some pretty good winners. There's been definitely some very obvious winners this year, but that kind of leads us into our next section where we go into our three biggest winners from the week. Let's go ahead and keep this one quick because I think we already touched on a few of them. Caleb, you want to start us off? Uh, yeah, obviously, number one's Miami. I already hinted to that. Anytime you hang 70 points, you're usually not, <laughs> not just by – morality wise or uh, like moral victories, but you literally were the biggest winner statistically of the week. No, I agree with that. I definitely agree that Miami's looked at, we've touched on it before. They've looked great. My biggest winner for my biggest, biggest winner for the week, Brock Purdy, a lot of questions surrounding that elbow coming into the season. Um, there were some questions about, you know, it was he a one season wonder. Is he really going to be that great of a quarterback? You know, he's Mr. Irrelevant, the last pick the seventh round pick in the NFL draft. Is he really going to be that guy kind of answered some of those questions and he definitely looks like a franchise level guy. I think he has a, uh, I think he has a pretty good franchise name as well. Um, I think he's. I think he's a. I think he's. He's answered the bell pretty well. Yeah, Mister Irrelevant, um, and not only that, but to the Forty ers salary wise, they don't get that first, second, third round quarterback pay on their uh, on their salary cap. They're getting a seventh round quarterback pay, which is a significant pay decrease in savings for the Forty ers which I think that's that's a, that's a big reason why they're actually even able to function right now. I mean, it is they they always say you know rookie quarterbacks are the NFL's cheat code, and I truly believe that. I mean, he's looked phenomenal this year. It's allowed them to pay other players at other positions. They gave Nick Bosa a massive deal. I know Brandon Ayuk is up for a new contract this year, I believe, or did he get a contract in the offseason? I'm, I'm not sure. Oh, no, I believe he's up for a contract. I believe he's a part of that uh, 2019 class. I think he's up for another contract extension. I may be wrong there, but I think he's up for another big one. And since they do have Brock Purdy in town, they're probably going to be able to pay him there. Kittle's making big money. Debo's making big money. Trent Williams making big money. Cheap quarterbacks are the NFL's cheat code. I think the 49ers are primed to make a big playoff run, and I think he's looked great. But kind of moving on, Caleb, who's your second winner? Yeah, second winner is going to be two teams. It's going to be Indy, who shocked me, and Detroit just keeps on rolling over there in the Motor City. 
Mm-hmm. I mean, those UAW workers might be on strike, but they're all apparently attending these Detroit Lions games because <laughs> this team is hot. Yeah, they are. And the only reason to say it is because week four action has actually already kicked away. So Thursday night football is already is playing right now. And they are playing the Green Bay Packers. And they are dismantling them. Yeah. Apparently there was a steamrolling convention up there in Green Bay this weekend. <laughs> I feel bad for all the cheeseheads because it's not pretty up there right now. <laughs> no, it's not. And they just right got now. the ball back. They're, it's not. They're currently up right as we're, we're as we're recording this. They're up 27-11. Shout out to my boy D Barnes. He's uh, he's having a good game. So, but yeah, big, biggest winner. And and honestly, those two teams have shocked me this year. I didn't expect Indy uh, to let alone be two and one to start the year and beat the division leading Ravens. Um, but then not only Detroit be as dominant as they shown very easily could be three and zero right now uh, in Kansas city. If uh, a couple balls went their way uh, late in the game, they were leading. So uh, I think this is a young team with a lot of momentum and uh, I think sky's the limit. Yeah, they've got a lot of talent and a special shout out there. You gave a shout out to D Barnes. I'm going to give a special shout out to Jared Goff, who's also a member of my unappreciated quarterbacks club. That's the, that's the evident coveted list there. (laughs) Yeah, definitely the coveted list. I think a lot of people say, I don't want to be MVP. I want to be on the underappreciated list. (laughs) Who doesn't want to be on the underappreciated list? You can walk into a Kroger and not have to worry about people swarming you. Um, but also on, on my number two winner from week three action is another quarterback who has started to fall into that unappreciated quarterback list um, for good reason, because I think he's kind of a scumbag. But Deshaun Watson actually turned it on this week. I think he's looked whoa, really whoa. good. We can't I, say turned on and Deshaun Watson in the same season. <laughs> you know this. <laughs> that usually means something different when discussing about Deshaun Watson, but he's looked pretty good this year this uh this past week he looked like he's starting to figure it out looks like he's starting to get the old body back in the motion looks like he's starting to get back in nfl game shape he had his best game as a cleveland brown by far against the tennessee titans by the way against a stout tennessee titans defensive front so i mean there were all kinds of questions oh my goodness they've overpaid this quarterback he didn't deserve the money that he got he's looked terrible so far you know He's a sexual predator, but anyways, all this different stuff. But you know, he has looked—he looked good on Sunday. So I—I want to give props where props are due. So you know, Deshaun Watson is going to be uh, one of my winners for the week. Caleb, yeah. who's your third winner? Um, yeah, my third winner. Um, this was a tough one. I—they're I, both in my winners and my losers bracket. So yeah, I guess it's a good segue for us, maybe is the Minnesota Vikings. Mm. 100% a movie. Their offense is playing good. Their defense is not playing bad. They're going to right the ship eventually. Just keep your chins up. You're you're moving the ball. You're doing all the right things. The tide is going to turn. It should turn. And what I'm worried about with the Minnesota Vikings is that it's not going to turn soon enough. They're going to miss out on a playoff shot, but they're going to win enough games to knock them out of any contention for for a quarterback in the upcoming draft. Kirk Cousins in the last year of his deal, apparently they're not interested in signing him to an extension. That might change, but they are not interested in signing him to an extension for next year. So it looks like there might be a little bit of a turning of the guard there in Minnesota in terms of who's going to be leading that team from the quarterback spot. But um, yeah, Minnesota fans, uh, it's going to start to it's going to start to break your way here soon. I have a feeling. 
and that's why they also go on my they were going to be third on my biggest losers list but i'll give you guys the preview of that one real well it's just gonna be real quick go ahead If they don't get hot soon, they got to tear the whole thing down and restart. They're looking down the barrel of it. Week four is complete desperation mode for the Minnesota Vikings. Yeah, they definitely need to come away with a dub for sure. They definitely mm-hmm. need to come away from a dub. That's got to be their one of their high priorities. And um, uh, you know, against the Carolina Panthers, I think they will. Uh, I we'll and see. you know, speaking of the Carolina Panthers, my. Th- Third winner for the week. I wanted to go something a little, uh, a little off the radar here, uh, something a little uh, that probably most people wouldn't say. My third winner for the week. Caleb, you have any guesses what it might be? Is it uh, the Red Rifle? It's the Red Rifle. Andy Dalton. Andy Dalton. They lost. They lost. Thirty-seven twenty-seven. But Andy Dalton looked like a competent starting quarterback once again. Once again, proving his value in this league. As a quality backup at this stage of his career, he looked great. I wouldn't say great. He looked very good for the Carolina Panthers. And when I say very good, he was able to move the team, and he was able to score 27 points. And when you look at the box scores of this game, 27 points would have won you a lot of games this week. So, I mean, I want to give credit where credit is due. Andy Dalton looked good on a short week, coming in, playing, uh, going up against a Pretty stout defense in the Seattle Seahawks. He looked like a competent NFL quarterback, so credit where credit is due. I was impressed, Andy Dalton. Welcome back to the starting NFL circle. Which the red also, rifle was sl- He was slinging it all over the field, for sure. His arm is still attached. <laughs> I know. 58 and- times. I, anybody that's listening to this, go out in your backyard or go to your local park. Have your son, daughter friend stand 20 yards down the field and throw 58 balls he can and tell me how you feel the next day <laughs> he was slinging it which speaking which this is going to coincide into our third big or to our three losers of the week which actually my number one loser is 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 up there um like i said i wanted to go a little bit out of the box so caleb you ready to transition because it's yeah. it's going to coincide with what we were just talking about my, my biggest loser of the week, Bryce Young. And hear me out. I don't think in the grand scheme of things, I think there are other players and there are other teams that are the biggest losers of the week. But I think the implications are not great for the number one overall pick in the 2023 NFL draft. If Andy Dalton is able to come in and go up against a decently stout defense in the Seattle Seahawks, he's able to throw it 58 times, he's able to put up 27 points, and he's able to look good. He's able to activate DJ Chark. He's actually able to activate LaVisca Chenault. He looks like a competent quarterback. That speaks volumes about what Bryce Young is doing right now in Carolina. And I want to get I want to hear your perspective because I think with the way that Andy Dalton performed, the points they put up, the way the offense looked, which was like a competent NFL offense, I think that doesn't look that is that, that's not looking good for Bryce Young. I was not a Bryce Young fan when I saw him play in the playoffs this past season for Bama. I thought he hmm. missed a lot of wide open wide receivers right in the middle of the field, uh, staring them down. It didn't look like he knew who he was reading at times, where he was easy, the defense was easily getting him confused with some late movement and some switches, and 
uh, showing one thing like a zone scheme and then actually being man mm-hmm. uh, to where he thought he was going to be reading like a safety or a backer. And it turns out to be just a completely wrong and doesn't know where to go with the football and was guessing a lot of times. Now that Bama team went on to win a lot of games last year based off just the sheer talent. Um, the, the, the saying is always, you know, you'd rather recruit the Jimmies and Joes rather than know the X's and O's sometimes in college football. And it's because athletic superiority can really carry a team and hide a lot of flaws. And I think at the NFL level now, we are starting to finally see Bryce Young's flaws of where he was guessing with the football. Yeah, and I know that uh, the official report was that he was dinged up a bit, um, and that's the reason why he sat out. I, I, I personally, I'll be honest with you, I don't think he was dinged up. I think that they realized that there were some developmental struggles there for him and he wasn't ready to start in the NFL. Um, so I think they utilized those as a reason to sit him down um, and turn things over to a veteran like Andy Dalton, who's been in the league for, I think it's almost, th- this is his 13th season right now. I think that they use that as an opportunity to kind of sit him down and let him learn for a little bit. And I don't know if he's going to start next week. I haven't actually heard. I should probably check that out before I start talking out my start start talking. But um, yeah, I don't think things are looking great for Bryce Young. Um, I, I was in the same camp as you, Caleb. I thought he was a bit of a reach for the number one overall pick. Things look really bad for him now with the way that C.J. Stroud has been performing. I think it looks even worse when you consider the way that Anthony Richardson has looked in Indianapolis, um, which is not great, but it is competent. It's way ahead of Bryce Young. So I don't think things are looking great for him, and that's why I put him on my losers list. Yep, so moving on to my number one biggest loser. I already gave you my third, so i got to give you my top now. Is the Denver Broncos, but but not because of what the score was or that organization, how it has been this season. Mm-hmm. They are my biggest loser on this list because a ranking came out of the most aggressive and disorderly fans and most dangerous NFL stadiums, top to bottom, where people have witnessed uh, fights and had to call cops and seats and everything, uh, get adjusted, and Denver was number one on that list. Mm. Yeah, that's not a great look. Nope. Not a great look. Is so, that the... But, I mean, if my team was getting beat 70 nothing as well, I'd maybe be pretty mad, at, pretty mad at that too. Ah, Caleb, you're not a fighter. You're a lover. I am. Yeah, you know <laughs> No, but that's a good one. I mean, I think even if you wanted to consider the play on the field as a factor as well, definitely uh, all the way around from the stadium to the fans, to the quarterback, to the coach, who's not looking great with comments that he's been making in the off or in the, uh, at the podium after the games, the Denver Broncos are a microcosm of dysfunction at this moment. Well, arguably from that st- survey that came out, there's uh, more action in the stands than there is on the field, and that's never a good thing. Yeah, and I'm wondering when do we see them keeping it kind of on the field? When do we think we're going to see them start to sell off pieces before the trade deadline? How many games do you think they need to lose before we start seeing pieces like Cortland Sutton get moved, Jerry Judy get moved? What do you think? So it's, it's such a conundrum that they're in right now. A, they paid their coach, Bazuku Dollars for Mm -hmm. 
a Super Bowl that he won many, many years ago with a Hall of Fame quarterback. 13 and seasons ago. What? 13 seasons ago. Yeah, many, many moons and a suspension ago and a what would I, uh, targeting, or not targeting, um, what was it called? Head hunting. It was bounty hunting. Bounty, bounty hunting. Thank you. The, the bounty hunting scheme. All of, uh, all of that wrapped up into uh, his career and then a retirement, a failed broadcasting career, and now he's back in Denver, which just is par for the course with a quarterback. No. Not the great. salary cap. Mm-hmm. Teams have to be any and 100% of their said salary cap. So it keeps teams from going full tank mode. Um, a lot of that money is around Russell Wilson. But I would be interested to see where the rest of their dollars are going with Cortland Sutton and um, other players like that. So maybe they are propping up their salary floor to where they'd be in jeopardy of paying too many pieces. No, I agree. I am. Uh, it's going to be interesting to watch them dice that for that roster up because it's going to come. I mean, it, there's going to be some changes. Um, for sure. I mean, there's definitely going to be some changes that are going to have to be made there. There's even been rumors, man, that Patrick Sertan, who is a, uh, you know, a top 10 pick in the 2021 NFL draft. There's been talks about moving him. So, I mean, they are definitely, if they're going to move a bona fide, legitimate superstar at a position, there's definitely the writing is on the wall that they're going to blow everything up here very shortly. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, if I were them, I'd burn it all down and go full rebuild. And yeah. No, 100%. That's what I would do. I mean, I think that's the best. Uh, I think that's I'd your... cut Russell Wilson. I'd pay him his, whatever his buyout is or whatever his guaranteed money is and just cut your dead loss, move on. Because no. the, the easy... it's not fair for the Denver fans, honestly. That is such a historic... And for them to be in so much suck for so many years now, it kind of reminds me of what we went through as Bengals fans for the longest time. And I, I hate for any fan base to feel that way. No, it's a, it's abysmal. And the NFL is better when the Denver Broncos are good. Um, they're that, you know, Western, the West Coast team, West, uh, Western Conference team that we just, mm-hmm. we like to see it. They need that yep. out there. It'd be better for the division in itself. Um, speaking of disappointments, because that's the whole segment right now. Duh. But um, one of my, my second biggest loser, um, once again, trying to go a little bit out of the box here, um, give something that's a little different of a take. My second biggest loser are quarterbacks from the 2021 NFL draft. They all looked bad this week. They're making the list. They're making Ben's list of overappreciated quarterbacks. I think they're a little overappreciated at this point. Yeah, you know, that's that that legendary list that every every quarterback does or does not want to be on. Let's start at the top here. Trevor Lawrence. He came into this season with maybe as much hype as any quarterback in the league. Um, apparently, it looks like the hype that Trevor Lawrence was getting should have probably been going to Tua Tagovailoa. Um, but he came in with a ton of hype. Trevor Lawrence not looked great so far this season. Looks like he's regressed a bit. Zach Wilson, he might be the worst starting quarterback in football right now, and yeah. his personality's not he's... doing him any favors either. Yeah, he's he's in the running. He's in the running. There's there's quite a few selections potentially. Um, Trey Lance, 
also from that 2021 NFL draft, already on a different team, actually has never truly had an opportunity to start, but that speaks volumes if he's not able to start in this league. If a team is going to move on from the number three overall pick from a draft two years ago, who is not yet 24 years old, that's never a good sign. Mac Jones has not looked good this year. I mean, he's had he's had a few moments where he's put up some numbers, but the consensus is is he has not looked like a a you know a bona fide legitimate starter at the quarterback spot. There are still questions there. May I slide in real quick? Yeah, that is my number two biggest loser of the week for his reputation of what he did to Sauce Gardner. Yeah. So it's not only not is he the overappreciated quarterback that is not performing to where he's supposed to be standard wise. He is also getting a very dirty rep as a dirty player throughout the NFL right now. No, and he hasn't looked good at all. And I mean, he hasn't looked great as a player. And like you said, he just, I mean, he, there's every year he's been in the league, there has been something. I mean, there's always been something. I mean, when you're being compared to Grayson Allen, and I know this isn't a basketball podcast, but when you're getting those comparisons that you're the Grayson Allen of the NFL, that's never a good thing. So continue on with your quarterbacks. Continue on. Justin Fields, also a 2021 NFL draft quarterback. We've talked about him at length already. He looks like he's taken a step backwards from where he was. Could that be part of the dysfunction? Could it be because people overvalued him in the NFL draft when they weren't paying attention to the big red flags that he had in that draft? Overall, he has not looked great. It's not been a good year for the, the 2021 NFL season. I'm hoping that some of these guys are going to bounce back. Some of these guys, I don't think they can bounce back. I think the writing's on the wall for them. I think Trey Lance. Trey Lance is the perfect example of somebody who I think is going to be out of the league in three to four years. I mean, uh, and that might be generous. I think maybe sooner. Yeah, that might be generous. Um, I mean, you even can go into, if you want to dive deeper into that draft and you want to go down, there weren't really any second round, dra- second round quarterbacks in that draft, but the third round, Kellen Mond. I don't even think he made it through a full season with the Minnesota Vikings before he was released. Still on a roster there in Cleveland. Davis Mills was recently benched for CJ Stroud Long with good neck. reason. Yeah, the giraffe himself. You know, they've that this has turned into what was on paper. And I'm going to get to in a second what we were saying before when we were doing this podcast two years ago, when we're getting ready for the draft. There was a consensus that was going into the offseason towards the end of that year that the 2021 NFL draft was going to be a great draft for quarterbacks. That is not the case. It doesn't look good at all. Um, it, 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 is, it is not panning out the way that we thought. There were five quarterbacks in the first round of that draft, and none of them thus far, two years later, none of them are producing at a level that we thought they were going to be producing at. Yeah, so, and it... To, to your point, it almost reminds me of this past draft that we had where there might be one pretty good one in there, but I think it's a lot. And, you know, I don't think the Anthony Richardsons or the Bryce Youngs are really going to pan out long term for a couple of these franchises. No, it's not looking great. But um, who is your third? You already said it was the Minnesota Vikings, right? Did you want to touch on that for yep, just one more yep. second? I think they're just in dangerous territory. I don't want to beat a dead horse here, but um, I just feel bad for their fans. They have arguably the best wide receiver in football. They have a top five quarterback. They have a very solid defense. And their team's 0-3. So uh, 
I don't like to feel that type of stress when you have all that money wrapped up into a franchise and you know your window is closing and looking down the barrel of starting 0-4. It's a, when I say must win, probably the next three weeks are must wins for the Minnesota Vikings. No, it's not I a agree. good spot to be in. I definitely agree with that. It's uh, I feel for I feel for Minnesota fans. I have a little bit of a soft spot in my heart for the Minnesota Vikings, um, but yeah, that, it has not been great for them, and I feel really really bad for those those fans. Um, my third loser of the week, um, like I said once again, trying to go a little bit off the beaten path here, starting running backs in the NFL, especially the starting court running backs that are on their second contract. If you want to go down the list, or some of them that are towards the end of their first contract, we talked before the season started that one of the big narratives going into the season was the pay of starting running backs in the NFL. It is not looking good for you guys. It really isn't. And if if you want a few examples, the only one that I can think of is Christian McCaffrey that's really producing at a high level. Um and, you know, it's just, it just doesn't look great. I mean, Bijan Robinson went in the first round. He said one good game, two other games that were a little, eh. The Detroit Lions paid dive at Montgomery. He's not been the primary ball carrier. You know, it's Jameer Gibbs is really um, really kind of one of the premier guys there. But he hasn't even been as consistent as we thought. The New Orleans Saints signed Jamal Williams, and he's hurt. He's on IR. Aaron Jones is hurt and on IR. Minnesota Vikings paid Alexander Madison a pretty good amount for a single season. He hasn't performed. Austin Eckler's hurt this year. Derrick Henry doesn't look great. Nick Chubb's out for the year. Um, Brian Robinson's on his rookie deal, and he's out producing Antonio Gibson. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. Najee Harris looks bad. Josh 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 Jacobs looks abysmal this year. Tony Pollard is underperforming. I mean, the only, the, the only the, running back that really looks good is the one that has had injuries in the past, and that's CMC. Yeah, it's Christian McCaffrey. Totally ironic. I mean, <laughs> I mean, it's just not – I mean, you go down the list, and then, you know, uh, this kind of – I started having this thought when I was looking at our fantasy scores, and it's like, my goodness, the ones that are producing, there's, it, it, there's CMC, and then there's nobody else. The rest yeah. of them are rookies or second-year guys. B. John Robinson looks pretty rookie, but – and it's he, Slim Pickens. He does. He looks decent, and he's had his moments. But I mean, we haven't really seen any of those big games where he's really popped um, this year. Um, we're seeing these guys that are first or second year players that are performing well, um, or guys that are on cheaper deals that are outperforming the starters. Zach Moss looks great in Indianapolis. So, are you going to move Jonathan Taylor at this point because he's holding out for a big deal? I mean, and he why would you pay him now? Zach Moss looks like looks like Jonathan Taylor from 2021. I mean, he looked great this past week. Now that oh, he's yeah. on the if field, if you're the Colts, you're you're looking to deal him and deal him quick. Yeah, you want to definitely deal him. You don't want him to get back on the field and there's a chance that he doesn't look like Jonathan Taylor. You want to get deal him while his value is high. But I think as a consensus, when you look at the league from the top to the bottom. Even the, even Christian McCaffrey, there is one Christian McCaffrey. There is one. You're not going to find a Christian McCaffrey every single year. It's like I always said with Derrick Henry. Derrick Henry, is he worth the money? Yes, but you're ne- how many Derrick Henrys are we going to ever see in our lifetime? One, maybe a two, not many. So my thought process is I, you just look at the starting running backs in the NFL. just doesn't look great. A lot of these teams have the guys that are producing. They're on cheap deals. The Miami Dolphins, rookie second round pick Devin Ashane, or uh, Devin Ashane and Raheem Mostert, who's 31 years old and is on a rookie minimum deal. I mean, 
these are these guys aren't performing. And if you're trying to shift the narrative, you need to stay on the field and you need to start performing like you are wanting to be paid. It's just not working out for a lot of these guys. And honestly, man, I just don't know if it's I don't know if it's going to work out for them. I just don't think they're going to end up getting paid. Um, I, I'm 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 kind of at a loss to be honest with you. Yeah, um, this this is going to have to wait till the next CBA. And what I foresee running back money being is in their contracts. It's going to be all guaranteed. There's going to be a stipulation to where when you pay your running back, it has to be all guaranteed money. Mm-hmm. And then that would kind of put it to bed on the shelf life because they know how much money you're going to almost see like a baseball contract. Like no matter if you get hurt or not, and you're on the roster, you get your money, whether you get cut or not, they basically have to buy you out. Yeah. I mean, I but think until then you're right. Like they're, they're a dime a dozen and they're very replaceable. We, we saw this a couple of years back when tight ends were demanding to be paid as wide receivers because they felt undervalued. Yeah, they probably are, but it's also nature of the beast in uh, the second string, the third string, the fourth string tight end is just in there as an extra lineman on goal line as well. And there's always exception to a rule. You're not going to always find a Zach Ertz. You're not always going to find, you know, a Rob Gronkowski. Most of the the starting tight ends in the league are not of that quality. I mean, those are far and few between. They're exceptions to the rule, much like the running back position. You're not always going to have a Derrick Henry. You're not always going to have a Christian McCaffrey. I mean, the majority of these guys fall in a tier below that. They're not that physical freak, that that Hall of... Hall of Fame level player. I mean, there's just, you're not going to always find Hall of Fame level players that are going to be valued at a higher level like that. So, I mean, there's always an exception to the rule. But consensusly, I agree with you 100% about the tight end spot. It's just not going to be there. And I mean, it's just, I just can't ever see that value shifting. And honestly, what I'm wondering about when you say about fully guaranteed money for these running backs... I didn't. Are we just going to see less contracts handed out? Because I don't know if teams are going to still pay it. Um, I don't know if they're going to. They're still. They're still not going to see that high dollar figure. Um, I mean, Josh Jacobs is done in, in Las Vegas. I mean, in my in my mind, um, I don't know if it's all his fault. But Najee Harris is probably not getting a second contract with Pittsburgh. Um, I mean, Joe Mixon, he's looked good this year, but overall he's underperformed. So it's a little depressing for me because I think it's kind of an end of an era. I mean, the Corey Dillon and the Eddie Georges, those that era of football, Steven Jackson, Marshall Falk, that's that's over. Um, it's a different league now. So it's, it's a little depressing from my standpoint, to be honest with you. Yeah, I, I mean, we'll see what happens. But um, you and I can only speculate until the actual CBA comes up. Uh, and I'm sure this is, and this has already been like a trigger issue for uh, the players' union looking down the, you know, down the couple years on how they're going to take care of a couple positions. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure they have something schemed up in mind, whether that be, like I mentioned before, guaranteed contracts or uh, pitchers coming off of Tommy John. They have a pitch count, and the manager pulls them after, you know. 80 pitches into a game. So it could be, well, my client or my running back for agent wise can only be used for 16 carries a game. And then after that, it's in his contract. You can't use him anymore. So 
No, I agree with that. Yeah, I and that's all just speculation or just creativity out of the box thinking on on my part. Mm-hmm. Uh, it'd be a, or like a threshold for the entire year. Like this running back cannot go over five hundred carries, or right. and that's just an absurd number. But I, I could see it being three fifty for a yeah. starting running back. I could that that would make sense, or three hundred even. I mean, it's just a yeah, it's it's kind of a wasteland right now for con for running back money. So oh, I um, agree. The hardest working position in football that's undervalued. Yeah, for sure. It, we saw this with middle linebackers a couple of years ago. Um, they became very undervalued. I mean, you started underproducing. It was, you know, cut the guy up next in line. And it looks like that's bounced back a little bit um, with some of these players. But, I mean, it's still not back where it used to be with the, the Ray Lewis's and the Brian Erlockers. Brian Erlockers. All these guys getting massive money at that middle linebacker spot. Their, their value was uh, – especially some of the off ball linebackers that's been, it's been a, it's, it's, it hasn't been there for a little bit. So, um, but that was my last loser for the week. Um, Caleb, you ready to turn our attention to week four? Yeah. Week four for sure. Um, we have tight matchups this week. We do. Um, and let's make it quick. We're running a little long on time here, but let's just go ahead. And week four has actually already kicked off. Currently, we are seeing the Detroit Lions face off against the Green Bay Packers on Thursday night football. Game is going on right now. Third quarter is in, or fourth quarter is in action. About eight minutes left to go in the game. Looks like the Detroit Lions are going to come away with another W and improve to three and one on the season which is a bit of a shocker they're going to beat the green bay packers it looks like we're going to fall to two and two a little bit of time left you know you know you never know what can happen but let's just jump right in caleb three predictions or three things that we're looking forward to next week or this week i should say um and that we're kind of excited about yep so my number one thing that uh, i'm looking forward to is uh what i'm dubbing as the suck bowl and I think you know what it is. Denver versus Chicago. I don't even know if this game will be aired, honestly. I don't even think. I think the NFL may have sold the TV rights to this game to, you know, whatever best soap opera on Wednesdays airs at that time. I, I've heard it's going to be broadcast on TSN's Toronto Sports Network. So, oh, uh, that's Toronto. Where, that's where, good, that's where good, it's going to be moved Good to. for them. They get to see some American football for once. So that Canadian <laughs> stuff. Yeah, um, but yeah, <laughs> this is this is either what I'm dubbing either as the Caleb Williams uh, sweepstakes or the Suck Bowl. Take your pick <laughs> I, on what you want to call it. I like the Suck Bowl. Let's go with the Suck Bowl. Yep. So uh, <laughs> it'll be interesting to see if uh, Justin Fields can maybe turn it around. I guess mm-hmm. on a team that just got seventy hung on them. So <laughs> we'll we'll see who comes out of it. But yeah, I I think whoever loses this game is going to go on to pretty much have control of the number one pick this year i mean man i don't want to get too long-winded on this but (laughs) can you do you just know the narrative that's surrounding this game i mean you've got one team on one hand who's got maybe the most unlikable quarterback in all of football right now with a coach that's yelling and calling out his players at a podium and whose team just gave up 70 points and on the other side, you've got a quarterback who's saying that he's not the problem, even though his team can't score, a coach that's crying in the locker room, and a defensive coordinator that's getting busted by the feds. This might be the most intriguing football game I've ever watched. Yeah. <laughs> Some I mean, entertainment. <laughs> I like that WWE Monday Night Raw a little bit. Like, it's like a train wreck. You, you just can't, you can't look, look away. away. 
this it, this reminds me of in the 2019 season when the Cincinnati Bengals played the, the Miami Dolphins. And it was like, oh, both of these teams want to lose. And we were wondering if we're going to see like a team going in for a winning touchdown and they're going to intentionally fumble the ball or whatever yeah. it is. But, I mean, it's got the markings of just two really bad teams. And the, it, would, it actually turns out that that can be very entertaining. So I'm actually looking forward to this this uh, this October 1st Suck Bowl. Oh, it's it's coveted. <laughs> we'll, we'll be handing out trophies and orange slices after the game. <laughs> I love that. And by trophies, I mean participation awards and maybe <laughs> some helmets. You never Not know. football helmets. I, I mean, it's either that or they're playing for relegation to the CFL. So, I mean, whoever loses hey, that, should get relegated. Speaking of which, the XFL and the USFL just announced a merger, so... Oh, hey, I didn't even hear about that. That's awesome. Um, yep, yep. They announced a merger. So uh, I think that's actually really good for the NFL, by the way. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's going to provide almost with very competitive play. We've already seen a couple players go from the USFL and the XFL and be signed to rosters uh, to provide some depth for this season in general. Um that might be something to look forward to down the line is maybe what you were mentioning is like a, a little bit of the uh, premier league, uh, European league soccer relegation and promotion. I hope it is. And I, you know, I watched a lot of the XFL and the USFL because the, you know, the, the other sports that are on right now don't really uh, scratch me where I itch, but you know, I'm intrigued. Donald Parham is a, he's having a pretty good season over there in the, with the chargers and he's an XFL guy. Um, so I'm excited to see that. That's that's exciting news. I'm really pumped up to hear that. So hopefully yeah, they yeah. can be sustainable. Um, um, what, are, what are you looking forward to this week? So what am I looking forward to this week? I'm very intrigued by a lot. I mean, there's a lot of really good games on the schedule this week. But the number one thing I'm intrigued for is a little bit of the Tennessee Titans versus the Cincinnati Bengals. Both of these teams are, you know, in the past have been incredibly competitive. Um, Tennessee Titans look like they've taken a step back from where they were last year. Um, and a, a massive step back from where they were in 2021 when they were a playoff team getting ready to tr- attempt to go on a deep playoff run. But they look like they've taken a step back. The Cincinnati Bengals, Super Bowl hopefuls going into this season. Joe Burrow, MVP hopeful. Jamar Chase, Offensive Player of the Year hopeful. I mean, two of these teams that had pretty high expectations coming into the season, I feel like neither one of them have delivered. I think they're both on must-win mode right now. They both are one and two, but neither one of them want to fall to one and three. So that's what I'm intrigued to see. I think we're going to see some creative play calling. I think we're going to see some trickery. Both these teams are desperate for a win. And if they don't get the win, it's not, it's it's too early to say we're going to pack it up for the season. It's definitely too early for that. But I think with the Tennessee Titans, if we see them drop to one and three, we might see Brian Tannehill get pulled, and we might see the likes of either Malik Willis or um, Will Levis, Captain Mayonnaise himself, come in. I'm intrigued to see how that's going to play out because Tannehill has not looked good, but their offensive line is atrocious right now. Joe Burrow, we're still on calf watch once again. I'm intrigued to see if he can take another step in his recovery and start to improve his play a little bit. We've seen glimpses of it, so I think that Joe Burrow is still there. Um, we've we've seen T. Higgins have a good game. We've seen him have a bad game. We've seen Jamar Chase disappear for two games and then explode in a big way against the Rams this past week. I think this game is going to have some major um, implications for later on in the season, so that's what I'm really intrigued to see and see how these two teams perform. Yeah. 
Um, so I'm just going to keep this uh, short and sweet then for my last thing uh, I'm looking forward to is I actually have our uh, five-team parlay money line predictions here for us. Oh, okay. Okay, so number one team, money line, Minnesota. I think they get the win. Nice, okay. Um, next one, Chargers over Vegas, money line, Chiefs over Jets, money line, and biggest money is I'm taking the Bucks with Baker Mayfield over the Saints. Ooh, that okay. five-team parlay, all money lines on those teams will pay, the odds are plus 995. And I am going to be putting $5 on this, Caleb. So you better five not cost me five big bucks. Ones. You better not cost me five bucks. Five smackers. So, yeah, we'll see if that lands. Caleb's had some pretty good luck um, uh, pulling some big ones here, so hopefully that lands. Um, are with, there... uh, with five bucks, you can't even buy a $5 foot long anymore. No, but if it hits, I'll Thanks, be able to Joe buy Biden. 15 of them. So mm. I'm I'm hoping that that hits because so, I'm kind of hungry. but. <laughs> Hey, we hit week one, and that was a bigger payoff than this one. But. Hit week one, for sure, definitely. I can't wait. I'm actually, uh, you know, my fantasy teams are abysmal this year, so I'm hoping for something big. To, um, to the gambling we go. And to the gambling we go. That's what happens. That's the way it works. The weekend and week out gambling, when fantasy doesn't hit, you go to the gambling. Are there anything else that you're you wanted to talk about before we we close it out here today, Caleb? Uh, I think that's it. I mean, uh, just a real quick score update. The Lions are just absolutely pouring it on. Looks like uh, David Montgomery had uh, three touchdowns tonight. For so the congratulations Lions. to all you fantasy owners of David Montgomery. We hate you. Cincinnati boy. Cincinnati boy David Montgomery. I will say I am intrigued. There's man. There's a every single week. That's why I love the NFL. Every single week is meaningful. I mean, you can have teams. Fan bases are talking about. You know, if we lose this week, our season's over, and it's only week four. I mean, we're still in the first quarter of the season. So I mean, I'm very intrigued about this upcoming week. I'm really excited to see it. There's some really good matchups on paper. There's also some really bad matchups on paper. We have the first ever suck ball. So, I mean, this is going to be uh, interesting to see the suck ball. Actually, you know what? This will be fun, Caleb. What are your predictions for the suck ball? Who do you think comes out on top? Oof, the predictions for the suck ball. Uh, well, it's going to suck for one. I feel bad for whoever is has the, uh, the viewing pleasure for that game. Well, here's what we'll do. You pick a team, in place. and I'll pick the other team. The winner buys the other one a nice mojito. Okay. Well, uh, the spread on this is, believe it or not, Denver got blown out 70-20 to 20 and are going into Chicago and are actually favored by three and a half. <laughs> so that means on a neutral field, they're actually favored by seven. Oh, man. And a half. So... <laughs> um, you know what? I'm still taking the Chicago Bears. I think I think Fields is just going to give the give them fits. The over under on this game is 46. I think they're playing in wheelchairs. I don't know. Um, it's gonna be a slow pace. We should just live stream the suck ball because 
Like I said, this might be the greatest football game I've ever seen. I mean, it's with with the narratives that are coming out of it. I will take the Denver Broncos. They're favored. They're definitely going to blow the Bears out of the water. They're the vastly superior team. Russell Wilson figures it out this week. He returns the MVP form. Cutler, Cortland Sutton looks like Calvin Johnson this week. I mean, I this is yeah. Denver is a no brainer. I'm take I'll take I'll take Denver. Yeah, I mean, I think the only people that are watching this game are people that are on death row just trying to end their sentence quicker. <laughs> I, I can't think. I, maybe maybe some, you know, Somali person got tortured, like captive and wanting to watch for torture. They have his eyes taped open like bird box style, just now, making I mean, him watch this game. The one thing I was hearing is I heard that they are handing out free liquor at the entrance. So, I mean, they're begging yeah, people for the brown to come back. to this game. You come in tickets to put on their head. Tickets are free. They're handing out free shooters as you walk in the door and brown bag for uh, both teams. So, and mandatory in third quarter, the team that's down has to wear the brown bag. So it's going to be an entertaining game to watch. I'm excited for week four action. A lot of things are going to be hitting big. I do want to say that next week we will be back on earlier in the week than we are. And we're not going to be taking another week off. Both things just got crazy in our personal lives. Monday came around, we were going to record this week's episode, but then, you know, the Cincinnati Bengals were on, and we kind of both wanted to watch that instead. So, yeah, um, we usually record on Monday nights, and, you know, since he was on a Monday night game. Yeah, since he was a Monday night game, didn't want to be recording while we were watching that game because our and content would have been I play a lot of sand trash. volleyball during the week, guys. I, I, I can't always commit to this podcast uh, if there's a Monday night football game with the Bengals. Yeah, that is true. And, you know, I want to say thank you to everybody that has subscribed and listened to this podcast. We actually hit our biggest high last week. So we're really, really thankful for everybody that has liked and subscribed and, you know, listened to our podcast that always helps out a little bit. Um, We're not trying to make a career out of this. We're just trying to have a little bit of fun. And I hope you guys had a little bit of fun along the way as well. Um, We're running at it about an hour and 24 minutes, which is our longest podcast we've ever done thus far. We also got a little carried away with the T-Swift and with the Suck Bowl and all that stuff. So T-Swift. We said we were never talking about it again. (laughs) Wait, talk about what? I don't know. You tell me. That's right. That's what I was talking about. So, (laughs) but anyways, like I said, thanks guys for listening from myself, Ben from Caleb. I appreciate you guys all have a great week. Have a great NFL Sunday. Eat a lot of wings. Turn on the suck ball. Thanks guys. And he makes the score. Five seconds left. This is for the win for all intents and purposes. The play clock running. Culpepper making an audible. Drops the ball, picks it up. He's going to go in for and he will make it. Dante Culpepper gets two, and the Viking sideline has gone nuts. This team that we're looking for next year, we're improving now for the future. And what a play by Dante. Everything that could have gone wrong went wrong in that play.